Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from one of our special guests. As Pastor mentioned, you know, we were, you know, wanting to be a part of the reopening of the church here because this is our home church. We've always felt that way. And so we came out with, uh, you know, great expectation and it was a marvelous series of services this weekend. And, you know, we were, you know, navigating through this COVID-19 pandemic that has been unleashed against the world. And we were geared in that direction with things we were thinking and studying and looking at from the word. And then this new challenge pops up. Okay, the, the whole thing about the, the uh, tragedy that happened to Mr. Floyd, uh, Lloyd and, or Floyd, I'm sorry. And uh, then we have this whole new thing to deal with. So when Pastor Dan asked me if I would be interested to come and share, I began to meditate in the word and, and seek the Holy Spirit as to what he might have me to share. And I got to tell you, I got so much, you know, the challenge was to kind of pare this down so that I could share as much as I could in one sitting because there's enough here. We could be busy for quite some time. But before we get to the, the main gist of what I've been instructed to share, Let's just take a minute and be reminded of a few things that everybody here in this church, I'm sure have heard from before, but how many know that things that you've heard before need to be reinforced from time to time, especially in times like the last three, four, five months that we've had to experience here in America, all over the world, in the Philippines and wherever else, you know, people may inhabit the globe. Look with me at Jude chapter number one. We're just gonna take a few minutes and go through a number of verses quickly, just to be reminded of a few things that we lay a foundation with and build upon, okay? Jude, excuse me, Jude chapter one, verse number five, all right? Jude writes, and he says, I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. I want you to notice that he reminded these people of things they once knew. Peter made a very similar statement in the book of 2 Peter. He talked about things that he had to remind them of that they had been taught before. We can lose the edge if we don't stay close to God. We can lose the edge and the the ability to hear from God if we don't stay close to him. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But the point is, he had to remind them of things they once knew. And so we're going to talk tonight about things that we may have known before. But if you're new to the church or perhaps new to the word of God, things that maybe you haven't heard before. But the point is, we need to recognize and understand the importance of seeing things from God's viewpoint and not from the world's viewpoint. Look with me at Hebrews chapter number two. Let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter number two, verse number one. I'm always reading from the New King James unless otherwise indicated, okay? Hebrews chapter two, verse number one says this. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. That's an admonition to the Hebrew church, to the people that were ministered to at that time. They were told to give more earnest heed to the things that they had heard so that they would not be drifting away, all right? Once again, very, very important that we stay close to the word of God, because if we don't, we'll start drifting. And drifting is a very dangerous thing to do in a world in which we live, the world in which we live today. Look with me, if you would, at uh, Luke, Luke chapter number 21. These are just quick references. We're not going to spend a lot of time here, but I need to lay this little foundation so that we have a platform to build upon. Luke 21 and 25. 
Jesus is the speaker here, talking about the end times, Luke chapter 21 and verse number 25. He was asked what would be the signs that indicate his soon return. That was the question that prompted the entire chapter. Luke chapter 21, Matthew 24 are all answers to the question, what are the signs, Lord, that we are to look forward to that would indicate to us that your return is very close at hand? So all these two chapters, Matthew 24, Luke chapter 21, are dedicated to the answers to that question. And he says here in Luke 21, verse 25, there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, listen to this, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Verse 26, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then jump down to the 28th verse. Verse 28, Jesus says, Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. This is an exciting time for people who know who they are in Christ. This is no time to be afraid. This is no time to hide behind our Bibles. This is no time to hunker down in fear of the future. We know th some things that we need to uh, use to keep our own life intact and to share with other people in the name of Jesus. They need to see the world the way it really is through our eyes and, through our, and, and by listening to us proclaim the word. A, a great man of God said something one time. This was A.W. Tozer. He was a great man of God back in the 40s and 50s. He's now in heaven. He's gone home to his reward. A.W. Tozer said this, a scared world needs a fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. A fearless church. That's what we need here. Okay, look what he said. There will be signs. You're looking around, you see the signs. Look, distress of nations. Would you agree with me the nations are in distress? Yeah, I think so. And with perplexity. The word perplexity there in the Greek means questions with no answers, confusion with no opportunity for solution. They don't know which way to turn. They are perplexed. Okay? Perplexed the sea and the waves roaring. That's always a prophetic reference to large groups of people, culture groups, language groups, nationalities. Roaring means they're crying out for help and they're not getting any because people are perplexed. They've got problems they don't have answers for. That's the world in which we live. And men's hearts will be failing them from fear and what they see, the expectation of things coming upon the earth. It's not even what's on the earth, it's what they expect. Coming down the road, fear for the future. And finally, look with me at 2 Chronicles, Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles, chapter number 20. This is Jehoshaphat. It's a great chapter. So many things here. But he was told that there's this humongous army coming against the nation, and he realizes that in the natural, he has no way to stand up against them. The enemy far outnumbers his troops, okay? And he knows that if God doesn't come through, the nation is finished. And so he cries out to God, and here in... Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse number 20, here's what it says. He's, he's pleading his case before God with the whole nation there listening to him plead the case. And in verse 12 it says, O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. You ought to circle that phrase right there in your Bible. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you. Our eyes right now need to be more than ever upon God. And here's my point. 
If our eyes are supposed to be on God, then our eyes need to be on the word of God. If your eyes are going to be upon God in this day and age, your eyes have to be upon the word of God because that's how God communicates with us. This is the written word of God. In this book, or in this portable device, whichever, you need to understand that it's everything in there we need. You know, COVID-19 didn't catch God by surprise. These race riots didn't catch God by surprise. None of this stuff caught God by surprise. Maybe it caught a bunch of Christians by surprise because they didn't know what was coming down the road. But if you think this stuff is, is difficult, hide and watch. Things are not going to get any better, honey. The return of Jesus, as his return draws closer, we are going to see more and more of this. You better know who you are in Christ. You better know who you are in Christ. Because the world desperately needs to see the real deal here. Not a bunch of camouflage, you know, cupcake, Krispy Kreme pastors out there that don't know which end is up. I mean, listen, if you've been in this church for any length of time, praise God, you've heard the uncompromised word of God. And to whomever may be listening out there in online land, you need to be, you know, praying about going to a church that knows which end is up. Because you probably drove past 12 of them to get to this one. And I would bet money that all 12 don't know which end is up, don't know who they are in Christ, don't know what's going on. Are you listening? Don't know who they are, don't know their authority in Jesus, don't know the power in the name of Jesus or whatever else is in the Bible for us to use against the enemies that we face in this day and age. Look with me at Isaiah chapter 33. Isaiah 33, 6. Isaiah 33, 6. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of our times. We are living in unstable times, very unstable times. It's not going to get any better either. There will be pockets of it here and there, but by and large, the whole world is going down the drain slowly but surely, and it's going to accelerate as the return of Jesus draws closer and closer. You better know some things about faith. You better know some things about walking in love. You better know some things about authority of the believer and all these other things that are in the Bible and have always been there. Okay, they've always been there. Okay, that's why the Bible tells us to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Praise God. Wisdom and knowledge. Now, see, back when I was in the corporate world before God called me out of all that, we used to, when we were doing million, multi-million dollar deals, and they would call me, and I was in the advertising department. I was the advertising exec, so they would spend five years in R&D, research and development, coming up with these products. You know, it was Owens Corning Fiberglass at the time, the company I worked for. Now they're just called Owens Corning, but it's the insulation company. Fortune 500, their products are all over the world. And you know, they, uh, you know, my division was the industrial application division. My products that I had to advertise and promote were you know, uh, insulation for nuclear reactors, insulation for the Trans-Alaska pipeline, insulation for liquid natural gas ships that ply the high seas. We're not talking about the Pink Panther down here at Home Depot. <laughs> we're talking about multi-million dollar, zillion dollar projects. And, multi, and, and thousands of jobs on the line and all that. And they would spend five years in research and development. And then they'd, they'd call keys into the meetings and they'd say, here, here's the deal. This is what we've got. 
This is the market share we want to, we want to obtain, we want to uh, accumulate over six months, 12 months, 18 months. You've got this amount of time to achieve this percentage of market share. You have an unlimited budget, go make it happen. And if you don't make it happen, we'll find someone else who can. It's what they call stress. And so we learn right off, if you, if you are given subjects, projects like this, you need to get definition for terms. You don't assume anything. You get definition for terms. If you don't have an answer, if you don't know what's going on, you put your hand up and ask. There's no stupid questions in rooms like this. Okay, when, when jobs are on the line and, and years and years of research and development could go up or could go down and whatever. Okay, you get definition for terms. So I took that knowledge and I apply it to my study of the Word of God. If I come across terms, I want knowledge. I want definition for terms. So if wisdom and knowledge is the stability of my time, then I need to define knowledge and I need to define wisdom so that I know what I'm dealing with here. Can anyone say amen? Don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions. Find out what you're talking about. Get definition for terms. Okay, knowledge. Let me give you a definition for knowledge. Okay. Knowledge is the acquisition and the possession of truth. This, these are all biblically based definitions, okay? Knowledge is the acquisition and the possession of truth. That's knowledge from God's perspective. Wisdom is the correct application of truth. You have to have knowledge before you can use wisdom. But both of them are necessary for stability in unstable times. The problem with the church is they don't have either. They don't have any knowledge and therefore they don't have any wisdom. Wisdom is the correct application of what you have learned, the knowledge you have acquired, the truth you have obtained and now you possess. That's why the Bible says, my people, Hosea chapter four, verse six says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. It's never a problem with the devil, friends. It's a problem with a lack of knowledge of what Jesus has done for us. Listen, the devil is not the problem. Old Splitfoot can run around and huff and puff, but he cannot blow down your house because Jesus already took the teeth. He's like a roaring lion. He's not the roaring lion. He's as one. But his teeth have been pulled in Jesus' name. He's just a bunch of bad breath out there making threats about that. But if he runs up against people who know who they are, he has nowhere to go with that. Okay, he thrives on ignorance. He thrives on ignorance. This is where most of the church is. They're ignorant. They may be wonderful people, but we don't need wonderful people today. We need boat rockers and wave makers and shakers and movers. We need people who will turn our boats upside down. Yeah. Well, people, will, people might be offended. Oh, oh I, I guarantee they'll be offended. Don't worry about that part. That's not prophecy. That's just reality. You got to know your enemy. You have to know your enemy. Okay, let me just say this to you. Deception needs distraction. Deception needs distraction. And Satan is a master at doing both. Okay. And Pastor mentioned it and, you know, Pastor Jim mentioned it. Listen, we know right from the beginning, I've been saying this is a the COVID-19 now. Okay, I'm talking about that one in particular at the moment. This is a pandemic from hell. Do you understand? Do you understand? This is not a virus. This is not a physical attack. This is a spiritual attack designed and implemented and unleashed from hell. Designed specifically to shut down the church. That's what it's here to do. That's what it's designed to do. That's why we've come against all these rules and regulations that keep churches shut down. That's exactly what the devil has intended from the beginning. Are you listening? Eh? Don't, don't blame the Chinese. They were just used. 
You know, the devil just chose to use them to do this. He introduces them to work through them. Well, okay, but they're not the problem. It's the devil. We need to know who our enemies are. Look with, look with me at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5, verse number 8. 1 Peter 5 and verse number 8. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Trying to get there myself with my electronic device, my portable electronic device. 1 Peter 5, 8. This is Peter writing to his group, his church, his members. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Everyone say, the devil. devil. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him. Resist him. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Okay, look, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, your adversary, the devil. It didn't say your adversary, the government, your adversary, the police, your adversary, whites, your adversary, the blacks, your adversary, Asians and all these other people. The adversary we face is the devil. And there is no entity on the planet that is qualified to attack the source of the problem, which is the devil, except the body of Christ. We are the only ones. The government can't do it. The army can't do it. Educated people can't do it. It's only us. We are the only ones that stand in the gap between total destruction and the will of God for humanity. We are the only ones out there that can have the, the, the power to change things or prevent things or stop things or alter things that the devil tries to unleash on this planet. Resist him. Resist him. See, the devil is a master at distracting everybody off into other areas that don't amount to a spiritual hill of beans. We need to stay focused with what we're here to do. We're here to shut the devil down. First John chapter three says it this way. The Jesus Christ, okay, well, go there with me. First John three, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the Holy Spirit says go, so I go. First John three, verse eight. First John three, eight says this. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of who? He came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, we're here to enforce what he did on the cross. We're here to enforce what he did on the cross. He came for a purpose, and the purpose was to destroy the works of the devil. Okay, look with me at James chapter number four. James chapter number four, verse seven. Know your enemy. You need to know who you're dealing with here. James 4, 7 says this. Submit to God, therefore, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice, resist the devil. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Okay? Do you understand that when you resist the COVID-19 virus, you are resisting the devil? Do you understand that when you're resisting lawlessness, which is what we're seeing now, Across our planet, across our nation, the lawlessness, we are resisting the devil. When you resist this, you're resisting the devil because he's the one behind all of this. Yeah. 
Okay, there's nothing wrong with peaceful protesting as long as you understand at the end of all of that, the peaceful marches, you're going to have to get into your prayer closet and shut the devil down in the name of Jesus. You're going to have to use your name, the name above every name, and shut the devil down. And you can march until your feet fall from your ankles, but nothing's going to happen until you do your part, which is to stand in the gap and make the wall to prevent the devil from destroying this country. John 10, 10 says that the devil comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And that's all he's here to do. So we're here just like Jesus said in Matthew chapter eight, when the madman of Gadara, the Looney Tunes showed up. And the demons inside, they recognized Jesus and they said, we know who you are. We know who you are. You're the son of God. And the question was, have you come to torment us before the time? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We, we're here to torment you before your time. Are you listening? Instead of letting the devil torment us, we should be tormenting him. You have that God-given right, that God-given ability, and that God-given mandate to do that. Amen. And you don't need to wait for your pastor to do it for you. You don't need to wait for him. Amen. You go out there and turn the world upside down in the name of Jesus. Kick the devil off your doorstep. Say enough's enough. I've had enough of this. Praise the Lord. The government is not a problem. The police are not a problem. Politicians are not the problem. The media morons, as moronic as they are, they're not the problems. Whites, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, Native Americans, illegal aliens, goldfish, donut shop owners, used car salesmen. It doesn't matter. They are not the enemy. It is the devil. It is the devil. It is the devil. Amen. And let me address something else here. This, this business about you, you can't address my problem because you're not, you're not living in my skin. You're not living in my shoes. Oh, let me, let me answer that for you. Listen, if I know what the word of God says, I don't need to experience evil to know what it is. I can read it. It's all in here. Nothing took God by surprise. I don't need to experience your problem to understand your problem. I don't need to experience it from your perspective because I have my perspective. It's the word of God. And I know how to effectively deal with it because the Bible tells me how to deal with it. Amen. You know, we're not going to win a lot of friends out there, but at the end of the day, it's Jesus we're following. You know, Jesus. And here's the other truth. Pastor Jim brought this up today in the, in the staff prayer time. I'll just read it out on my notes. Here's the truth never to forget. As long as the devil is here and the earth is cursed in sin, which it is until Jesus comes to lift the curse, as long as the devil is here and the earth is cursed in sin, there will always be injustices on this planet. Always. You will never be able to legislate it away in the natural. Never. Because the problem is a heart problem. It is not a secular problem. It's not a mental problem. It's a heart problem. And the only one who can change the heart is Almighty God. And the only way they can do that is when we preach the gospel to them. Amen. We preach the gospel. They hear it. Faith comes by hearing. They turn their lives around. Listen, in, in, in my younger days, I was out there protesting with, um, you know, my, I could barely wear my jacket because all the peace buttons weighed me down. You know, I, I mean, I was out there, you know, putting little flowers in the gun, you know, the gun barrels of the National Guard in Ohio. I remember all this stuff. I remember Kent State, you know, where the National Guard killed four students. I was on the campus. So I understand all this protesting and all this. I understand where people are coming from. But they're coming at it from a position of ignorance. They're, they're shooting at the wrong target. Are you listening? Don't waste your time. Praise the Lord. 
Praise God. Deception needs distraction. Amen. Here's a truth never to forget. Don't ever forget this. Heaven and hell are populated by people. Just people. Wow. Heaven and hell are populated by people. Just people. Not white, not black, not Asian, not yellow, not educated, not uneducated, not young, not old. People. Yeah. God doesn't care. The devil doesn't care. So why should we yeah, care? The color of somebody's skin, the level of education they've got, where they come from, what part of the country they are in. Why should we care? If God doesn't care, he's no respecter of persons and the devil doesn't care. He hates everybody. So what's all this business about setting people apart? See, this is all satanic. This is all demonic. All right. For the, for, for the remainder of my time, I was praying. You know, how many remember you know, 10 or 15 years ago, the, uh, the big deal was WWJD. How many remember that? What would Jesus do? He had on bracelets and necklaces and T-shirts, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Well, I was meditating on that a, a while ago, not long ago, in the midst of all of this. And the Lord said, I'll do one better for you. It's not just WWJD, it's WDJD. And I said, what's that mean? He said, what did Jesus do? It's not what I would do. He said, what did I do? Why don't you go to the four Gospels and read what I did? You don't have to think about what I might do. I told you what I did, but just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I began to go read. You know, so I'm going to give you tonight, quickly, quickly, seven things he did to face the problems we face. He faced, listen, the devil knew who he was, man. The, the, once, once he was in the river and the Holy Spirit came down and God the Father said, this is my beloved son, the game was on, baby. For the next three and a half years, the devil threw everything at Jesus he could think of, including the kitchen sink. He knew who Jesus was. All right. He faced every kind of temptation you and I will ever face, any kind of problem. He lived in one of the most oppressive times in history under Roman Empire rule. And that was brutal, brutal and cruel. He lived and he operated under that banner all his life. OK, Matthew, chapter four, verse number 19. Let's start here. Let's lay a foundation. When Jesus first started his ministry, he walked up to Peter and a few others and he said, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We're following Jesus. So therefore we should be fishers of men. Christians who are not fishers of men are not following Jesus. They just think they are, but they're not. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Amen. We're here to fish for men. That's what we're here for. Okay, and there's no better time to fish for men when the world is bound by fear like they have been over the past five months because of this COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Amen. Are you listening? Men's hearts failing them for fear of what they see coming upon the earth. Exactly as Jesus prophesied 2000 years ago. We're living in it now. We talked about the end times for years, but hey, we're living in it now. We used to talk about the end times in the 80s and 90s about all that's going to happen. Well, now we are living it. You are seeing the seeds of the tribulation starting to come up. You're watching it day by day. The world day by day is beginning to unravel. Lawlessness is being what it is, lawless. All right, well, okay, let it be what it is. But we know who we are. We know we've got promises, exceedingly great and precious promises. Can anyone say amen? amen. Let me just say this to you, friends. Worry is a sin. Worry is a sin. You don't think God can take care of you? 
You don't think God's got the power to take care of you, put food in your table, put money in your pocket, if you, even if you lost your job or you got laid off and you're not sure if you'll ever get it back because of this pandemic? So what? Like God doesn't have a zillion and one other ways to take care of you? You are his beloved. If God be for you, nobody can be against you. Nobody. Nobody. So don't worry about it. It's a waste of time. Worry is a sin. Are you kidding? God holds the universe together by the word of his power. Surely he can pay our electric bill or whatever else bill we may have to pay. All right. Follow Jesus. We become fishers of men when we do. All right. Number one, let's do these quickly tonight. Look with me at Mark chapter 11, verse 11. This is Jesus in the temple during the last few days of his public ministry. Okay. Mark 11, 11. He goes into the temple. This is just a few days before his arrest. Mark 11, 11. Jesus went into the temple, into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Notice, he went into the temple and he looked around at all things. He looked around at all things. Friends, we need to look around at all things. You can't just see this, these race riots, this pandemic. You can't just see this from the secular media generated perspective. You have to look around at all things. You have to see the whole picture, the big picture, the complete picture here. Can anyone say amen? amen. Okay, we are spirits living in bodies. We're here to fish for men. That's all we're here to do. That's all God cares about is the fishing for men. Okay? Now, all of this provides distraction. Remember, deception needs distraction. Okay? For the devil to do what he does, he stays behind the shadows, hidden. That's the way he works the best. And he deceives people and leads them away by distracting them into all these other little, little fights and wars and all these other things that keep us from doing what we're here to do. Fish for men. Discipline yourself always to see what you're facing through spiritual eyes, through spiritual eyes. There's a verse in Psalms 119, verse 18, I believe it is. It's a prayer where David prayed and said, open my eyes, Lord, that I may see. Open my eyes that I may see. Second Kings 6 talks about the prophet and his assistant that walked out on the wall and they saw the city surrounded by enemy soldiers over the night. Overnight, you know, the city was surrounded and the, and the assistant panicked and said, my God, my God, what are we going to do? And the, the, the prophet prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes and the mountain was full of chariots and horses of fire and all this. And the, the prophet said to his assistant, you see, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Amen. It's always the case, friends. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. Amen. Look around at all things. Don't just look around at what the media wants you to look around at. Don't look around at just what they want you to look at. Look at it from God's perspective. Keep your eyes open. See into the spirit world. That's number one. Number two. He showed righteous anger. You know, the title for tonight's message, I, had it, I have it at the top of my outline here. Righteous anger versus anger. There's a difference. God gets angry. You know, so if it's angry that's just a sin, then God's got problems. But he has righteous anger. Jesus got angry a number of times. You need to get angry at the devil. You need to get angry at what's going on. You need to become indignant at what's happening around here. Can anyone say amen? amen. You need, don't just sit there and listen to this stuff. 
rise up in the name of Jesus and get angry at what's going on. People are dying out there without Christ and we are being prevented from fulfilling the Great Commission because of all this other stuff. We need to say enough, enough. He looked around at all things, number one, number two, he showed righteous anger. John chapter two, look there with me. John chapter two, verse number 15. John chapter two, verse 15. This is Jesus in the temple. In Mark's account, he went in there and looked all around. But then John takes it further and goes into the temple and tells us what happened when he got back. He went back to Bethany that night and came back the following day. He was seething. I got news. When he went back to Bethany, he was so mad he could barely, he was spitting nails, I got to tell you. By the time he came back to the temple, he walked in there and the Bible says here in the 15th verse, when he had made a whip of cords. He didn't walk in with a whip. He made one inside the temple, found some rope, found some whatever, and made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. This is Jesus, okay? Get rid of these, pictures, these Sunday school on the wall pictures of this little effeminate-looking Jesus, you know, with this little halo around his head holding this little sheep under his arm with this three-fingered thing. I never did figure out with the Catholic Church what this meant, but he always had this and a little heart glowing here and then a little halo around his head and this little effeminate look as he looks off into space as if he doesn't know where he is. Are you kidding? When Jesus walked into the synagogue, people took a step back. There was something about this guy. They just knew, give him some space. We're not quite sure where he's going, but I don't want to mess with this guy. I mean, when the temple guards went to arrest him, the Pharisees sent the temple guards to arrest him. And when the temple guards came back without Jesus, the Pharisees said, where is he? We told you to arrest him and bring him. And they said, hey, no man speaks like this man. Not only did we not arrest him, we're on his mailing list now. <laughs> when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, poured out the changers' money, and he said, get these things out of here. Take these things away. Don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. And it was in verse 17, the disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Does zeal for God eat you up? Are you so consumed with God's zealousness you can't stand to see people deceived? You can't stand to see people going, uh, can't stand seeing people going to hell? It just stirs you up. Are you listening? You know, the Bible talks about Paul when he went to Mars Hill and he was stirred when he saw the whole city wholly given over to idolatry. It stirred him up. Where is, where is the righteous anger here? You know, we're not a bunch of sheeple, just people being pushed around by others who think that we don't know who we are in Christ. Let the world beware. Let the world beware. We're coming. Amen? You know, hey, we tell, I tell the devil, I'm coming after you. I'm not afraid of you. I'm coming after you. You know, how dare you try to take my children? How dare you try to ruin our ministry? How, I'm coming after you. You're going to be sorry you came against us. Make you pay. I'm going to torment you just like Jesus said to the devil. I'll torment you. Praise the Lord. All right, number three. Got to move on. Number three. This is good. This is important. He stayed close to God. He stayed close. How many times would he wake up in the middle of the night and go off behind a tree somewhere and pray for hours even before the disciples would wake up? You go read it in Mark and Luke. They all cover it, okay? How many times would he spend time in prayer? In the Garden of Gethsemane, what was he doing? He was praying so fervently and so passionately. He was sweating drops of blood. He knew what the crucifixion meant. He knew what that meant physically, and then he knew what would happen spiritually. 
And the Bible says an angel appeared to strengthen him just to get him through that moment. It was his prayer time. It was the time spent with God that got him through all those temptations. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Verse number 7. This is talking about Jesus. Hebrews 5, 7 says this. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with, listen to this, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Jesus, when he offered up, look at these prayers and supplications with, listen, vehement cries and tears. Jesus prayed and he knew the power of prayer. He went into his prayer closet, so to speak, and stayed there until he got God's mind on things. The Bible says he prayed all night before he picked the 12 apostles. He had a big group going with him, at least 80 at times, 70 plus 12, 82, plus the ladies. They don't, we don't know how many of them were there, but there were a bunch of them, I'm sure. He had a big entourage traveling with him. And before he picked the 12, he went off and prayed all night and then came in and, and came back, gathered them all together at breakfast and said, okay, it's you, it's you. No, it's not you. Move. It's you. It's you. Get out of the way. It's you back there. You, 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 and you over here. He knew because he spent time with God. Listen, we need to spend more time with the Lord. It says the effective, fervent prayers of righteous people avail much. The key word in that statement is effective prayers. Many people pray, but their prayers are not effective because they don't know how to pray. They haven't taken time to study this out, to pray effectively. There's different kind of prayers for different kind of situations. You need to know which is which for what you're dealing with. Okay, so it's important that we know these things. He stayed close to God. Listen, in times like COVID-19 or race riots or whatever's going on, stuff like this, this is not the time to sit in front of your TV set hour after hour listening to a bunch of morons talking about things they don't know anything about. Spend time in your prayer closet. Spend time with the Lord. Get the mind of Christ. Find the scriptures that cover your situation and come out of that place with guns blazing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's number three. Number four. And I like this. He spoke to the problems. Jesus spoke to the problems. To the problems. Listen, some things you pray about, some things you don't have to pray about. You don't have to pray about, you know, sickness as an example. You speak to it. Jesus, many times, spoke to people. Okay? It's all through the Bible. It's all through the Word of God. Okay? What did Jesus do? Well, he talked to a dead girl in Mark chapter 5, a 12-year-old dead girl. Talk to her. Talitha Kumi, I say to you, daughter, stand up, get up. I say to you, arise. With Peter, James, and John standing there with the parents in the room. Little girl, I say to you, as he approached the town called Nain in Luke chapter 7, they're bringing a guy out dead in the coffin to the cemetery to bury him with the mother grieving because she's, she, this is her only son and Jesus put his hand on the coffin and said, stop. You know, and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the guy stood up, sat up, I should say, in the from the coffin, sat up. You can imagine how the people responded to that one. Okay. He spoke to the body. Okay. In Mark chapter 11, he spoke to the fig tree. He said, no man eat fruit from you hereafter forever. He cursed it. And in 24 hours, the tree was dead from the roots. This is what I'm trying to get across to you. Listen, some things you don't have to pray about. Wisdom, you've got to pray about. Things that, you know, God needs to move and we're not quite sure. Yes, we pray about these things. Effective, fervent praying. But some things, we just go after it in the name of Jesus and we speak to it and we kill it and we kill it from the roots. Amen. I've been talking to this virus since January. I talked to it. 
I tell it, you're dead in Jesus' name. We command, it, you command you to die, die from the root, die and disappear. Amen? But see, the problem is we are not creating synergy. It's a bunch of energy. It's a bunch of little pockets of people doing things. We're not doing this together. Synergy creates tremendous power. Synergy, synergy versus energy. We need to be saying the same things. Everybody's saying the same things. Everybody's saying the same things. Not a bunch of people out there doing all their things, whatever those things may be that don't create synergy, rather just a bunch of pockets of energy. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. That's synergy, that's synergy. Thank you, Jesus. Look with me at um, Proverbs 18, 21. Proverbs 18, 21. I'm trying to move through this as fast as I can. I hope, th is this helping anybody? Yes. All right. 18:21. Words. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Words. Okay, Jesus spoke, spoke to problems. He used the power of the spoken word. We need to learn the power of speaking the word of God. Okay, because death and life is in the power of the tongue. That covers everything. That covers birth to death. Death and life is in the power of the spoken word. And you can go back and run your references. Listen, the Bible is a book of words about words. If you study the Bible, it's a book of words about words. It's how to learn to speak and use your mouth as the weapon that God designed for it to be. Amen. The things we say, I have it in my notes here. Okay. Words are the world's most powerful weapon. Words. Not nuclear bombs, tanks, guns, rockets. Words. Words are the most powerful weapon on the planet. Jesus said, you know, by your words you shall be justified and by your words you shall be condemned. Amen. Daniel, the angel that appeared to Daniel in chapter 10 said, listen, I'm here because of your words. I've come because of things you have been saying, saying. So learn to speak to these things. Speak to the virus. Let's all get on the same page and start cursing this thing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Synergy. Look with me at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Listen, listen to this, Paul is pleading. Listen, listen to the terminology here. Now I plead with you, brethren. He's pleading with the Corinthians. This is something he wants them to really understand. I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. We need to get on the same page, everybody. That's what he was pleading with them to understand the importance of everybody speaking the same thing. We all need to be cursing this thing together. We need to speak to the spirit of lawlessness and curse it and bind it in the name of Jesus. Everybody together. Not just one here and one over there and one over here 90 miles away. Everybody together saying the same things. We can drive these evil spirits back to where they came from. So that we can continue fishing for men without all this problem we have to deal with. So we can fish the way we're supposed to fish. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, moving on for time. Number five. 
Jesus called out the hypocrites and the ungodly. He called them out. And there are times when we're going to have to call people out. Okay? Listen, we're way past the time when we're trying to tiptoe to the... to tiptoe through the tulips. That's what I'm trying to say. We're way past that time. We're way past the time of trying to be friends with everybody. You can't be friends with everybody. They've already declared they hate us. They hate Jesus. They hate God. They hate Israel. They hate the church. They've already declared it. They are at war with us. And they're not going away. We need to say, okay, make my day. Come on, make my day. You You want something? You want a piece of me? Come after me. In the name of Jesus. Are you listening? You know, when Jesus taught in the temple, they were shocked. They, they, they couldn't believe it. No man has talked like this with authority. He commands the demons and they obey. They had never heard a guy talk like this. We need this. The world needs this. They need to see the real deal here. The body of Christ. Will the real body of Christ please stand up? Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand up if it's the body of Christ. You know what I'm saying? Glory. He called out the hypocrites. Look with me at John chapter 8. I got two more for quick, quick time. John chapter 8, verse 43. Quickly, quickly. John 8, 43. This actually started out as a nice Bible study. But by the time it was over, man, they were so mad at him. John chapter 8, verse number 43. Jesus says, why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources because he's a liar and the father of it. To their faces, he said, you people are of your father, the devil. Okay, there are there are going to be times when we have to call people out and say, you know what? You are a puppet of hell and you need to shut your mouth in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you, there are coming the days when we don't care anymore. We're just going to have to tell it straight up. He did. He said, you are of your father, the devil and the desires of your father. You want to do the problem with you. The reason you can't accept me is because you are following your father, the devil. Satan's your father. That's what he told them. These are religious leaders. These are not just the the dregs of society. These are the Pharisees he's talking to, the religious people. He says, you are of your father, the devil. He's a liar from the beginning, and that's why you lie. That's why you are the way you are. We call people out when we have to. Jesus did. He didn't hide. He didn't hide behind his, you know, Bible or whatever. Praise the Lord. Neither should we. All right, number six for time. Number six, Jesus trusted God for protection. Trusted God for protection. Okay? Look with, John, look with me at John chapter 7. Back up one chapter. You're in John chapter 8. Back up one chapter to the 7th chapter and the 25th verse. Thank you, Jesus. John 7, 25. Jesus is preaching. Now, John 7, 25 records the crowd talking about his message. They're listening, and now they're talking amongst themselves. And this is what they say, John 7, 25. Now, some of them from Jerusalem said, is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? See, from the beginning of his public ministry, he knew, Jesus knew he was a marked man. 
They were out to kill him for three and a half years. Everywhere he went, there were, there, were, there were plants in the crowd that were trying to trip him up. Every time he had a sermon to share, they would be there to try and trip him up, to, to try to arrest him, get him arrested. They wanted to kill him so badly they could barely think. And he knew it. And that, the, pe the people knew it. They're talking amongst themselves. Isn't this he whom they seek to kill? Everybody knew Jesus was a marked man. But how many times would he say, does the Bible say that they tried to kill him, but he just walked through the crowd because his hour had not come? Yeah. Amen. Listen, our hour has not yet come. Yeah, come oh, no, no. No, 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 no. Our hour has not yet come. Your hour has not yet come. Are you listening? Yeah. We have a race to run. Yeah. There may be some hurdles along the way, but by the power of God, we're going to jump every hurdle the devil puts in front of us. Yeah. Amen. Governors can't stop us. Presidents can't stop us. Prime ministers can't stop us. Nobody can stop us. Most of all, the devil who controls many of these people can't stop us because we know who we follow and we follow the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is our guide and that's it. That's it. That's it. Amen. You know, we work in the Philippines and I, I travel through military hot zones. My wife is a lieutenant colonel in the Philippine Army and I hold the rank of brigadier general. And many times we travel through military hot zones. We go to military bases to preach to, the, to troops and whatever. And many, many times we drive through portions of Mindanao that are cordoned off by the military. And we have military friends that will tell us, don't go in there. We cannot guarantee your safety. And I, I say, oh, thank you. I appreciate the, the tip, the intel. But God told us to go. We are going to go. Yeah. Amen. I've been doing this for 40 years and I'm still here. Bullets fly by, Muslim imams try to stand us, uh, step, uh, you know, uh, stab me on the stage. We've had it all happen, baby, but they can't stop us. They can't shut us down because we know who we follow and we have a job to do and a race to run. Mm. Glory. All right, moving on. Trust God for protection. Number seven, he retaliated in the spirit realm. This is important. When people try to harm you in the natural, go after them in the spiritual. Retaliate in the spiritual realm. Don't fight them on their terms. Raise them up and let them fight with you on your terms. Look with me at uh, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. This is when Jesus was told that his cousin John had just been beheaded. Matthew chapter 14. Chapter 14 and verse 10. All right, you, if you read the first part of chapter 14, you know, John was imprisoned and had his head cut off. And then the disciples came and buried the body and went and told Jesus. They went and told him. So he has just been told that his close cousin John has been beheaded in the prison. So how's, how's he going to respond? Look at this, verse 13. When Jesus heard this, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. What's he doing? He's dealing with it. He's dealing with it. He's spending time with the Lord. He's making sure his response will be correct. He's not just running off. He's dealing with it. He's in a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard this, they followed him on foot from the cities, verse 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed the sick. What did he do? He healed the sick. He retaliated in the spirit realm. You and I need to understand this. 
How do we retaliate when people try to shut us down? We increase the outreach. We increase the pressure we place on the kingdom of darkness. We increase the messages we share and the tracts we distribute and the online services and whatever else becomes available to us. We don't shut down. We increase. We accelerate in the name of Jesus. We go after the spirits that are trying to stop us. We shut them down and we preach the gospel more fervently and with more zealousness than ever before. Amen. In conclusion... Esther chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, I'll just refer to it. You ought to read Esther chapter 4. Esther was a woman God used to literally save the nation from annihilation, the Jewish nation. Esther. And Mordecai was talking to her before she went in to talk to the king, which was a death sentence if the king had not asked you to come in and you went in there to an audience that he didn't request, you could be killed. And she knew this. And she said, I'm going to fast for three days. I'm not going to eat or drink for three days. You pray for me. Get everybody else to pray for me because I'm going to go in and I'm going to plead the case of the Jews to the king. And if he kills me, he kills me. Mordecai says, well, who can tell that perhaps you have been born for such a time as this? My friends, we have been born for such a time as this. There's no more exciting time than now. In all the other centuries and all the other movements and all the other dispensations in the Bible does not compare to this one. We've been born for this. This is, the, this is like Pastor Dan said today, this is the hour where the church should be shining the brightest. Shining the brightest. Amen. They should see there's something different about us. What's different about us? We know who we are. We know where we're going. We have a hope. And we share the gospel with people no matter how we're threatened, no matter what they tell us to shut down or shut up. No, we're not going to do any of that. We're going to continue to represent Jesus wherever we go without apology, without hesitation. Amen. We were born for such a time as this. Amen. Praise the Lord. One last thought. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 18 is not a request. It is a command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach. That is not a request and it is not conditional. It is for all men, for all time, for all situations. All right? The Great Commission is a command for every fisher of men. That's you. You and I are fishers of men. No retreat, no surrender, no compromise, no exceptions, no excuses. A pandemic is an excuse to stop. We're not stopping. We'll find other ways. We'll work around this. We'll do what we have to do. There's no excuses. There's no exceptions to this. There's no compromise. All right? We're not trying to just make everybody feel good about themselves. Listen, we're not trying to just be socially correct, politically correct. We are going to share the gospel. And if you like it, wonderful for you. And if you don't, that's your problem, not ours. Amen. Someone say amen. We're not going to be friends with everybody. Jesus wasn't, so neither should we expect to be. We can't be. We won't be. Praise the Lord. We confront. The gospel is a confrontation. It's a message of confrontation. And we need to do what we've been here and sent to do in the name of Jesus. And that's it. There's nothing else about it. Amen. It's a, it's a, it's a command. Amen. Listen, we, you know, we feel the pain of those who have, well, the victims of COVID. We feel the pain. Okay, those that have died, those that have lost their jobs, we understand this. We're not, we're not callous. We're not cold. 
We understand these things. We understand, you know, victims like George Floyd and others. We understand the, the, the injustice done, the, the horrendousness of such things. We understand this. But we're not just going to sit around and do nothing about it. We are going to act like Jesus. We're going to press the interests of the kingdom of God. We're going to continue moving forward with this righteous anger, this indignation. How dare you come against us in such a way? We are going to preach like never before. We're going to pass out more tracts, hold more crusades, do more for the gospel. And that's it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to make you pay, devil. We'll make you pay. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.